to Eat, Drink, Social. My name is Courtney Sandora, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. If you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Go Social, or you can visit our website at goforthbesocial.com. We're joined today with Kala Maxim from Five Senses Tastings. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank Kala. you so much for having me, Courtney. It's a delight <laughs> to be here. Well, I am excited to have you because um, when I, I first learned about you, I thought this is something really, really different that I haven't seen. And I've been, you know, working in the booze world for about 20 years. And I thought, you know, attended a lot of different tastings, but um, would love to share with everyone kind of like how you got into your business. But I guess first, how did you start with your singing career? Like, how did that all come about? Uh, well, you wouldn't know it from my voice today. This is not how I normally sound, but um, I was born and raised in a classical household. And um, the story goes, we were living in Germany. I was born and raised in Germany, not army, but I was walking along the street and a car screeched to a halt and I said, and that was it apparently. So I've just always had a voice that sounded like that when I sang and for the longest time, I was like, no, I'm not going to be a singer. I have to do something brainy. And so I studied political science and music on the side because you can never really stop being an artist, right? And eventually after like trying to not be one for a while, I was like, okay, all right, I give in. And I went to grad school and I got my master's in opera performance and had um, had a career for a couple of years. And that, that's how it happened. Sort of like, because it was like, just nudging me, like, don't ignore me. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> in, in the world of singing is like operatic singing, the hardest to do. I would say, um, I would say, yes, I think it's the most technically, um, technically challenging. So, you know, we don't sing with microphones, for example. So if you go to the Met or you go to LA Opera, no one there is mic'd, right? There, our technique teaches us to be able to project over these huge audiences and in these huge spaces and over big orchestras. Um, what we don't do is do eight shows a week, which is what musical theater folks do. And I could never do that. So to me, that is physically just out of, out of the bounds of my, like, I can't imagine it. But for me, operatic singing, it's like, if you, if you do a role, you've sung a marathon, like you've run a marathon. It is so much of your whole self, your body, your voice, your mind, your acting skills, your vocal skills, your language skills, everything. It's. Wow. It's really yeah. interesting. So yeah. not only do you like to sing, but you also like wine and spirits. Where did, where did your love for wine and spirits come from? Again, sort of an accident. Um, I was working for the government and I was on uh, assignment in Chile and I had these folks coming down from, um, from the States and they wanted to go wine tasting and I was sick, like now. And I was like, ugh, I don't know. And then I got to the winery and five bottles later, I was like, oh, not bad. Um, but what I didn't uh, love so much about the wine world was how it was taught. So I took some classes and I remember very clearly, I did a whole reel on this. Um, there are no wrong answers. Anyone ask a question. And then I gave an answer and they were like, that's wrong. And I was like, um, I, yeah, I don't understand that. So 
given that I come from the world of opera where people also feel kind of intimidated, I really, really do understand that like you have to talk a different language and you have to approach everyone where they are um, in their wine journey and their spirits journey. So um, I think that my life as an opera singer has really informed how I do my business and how I do and don't talk about wine. Interesting. Um, so when did you start Five Senses Tasting? It was when I was working full-time in tech, actually. I had a, a job in, in uh, at a VC-backed tech company. I was going to be there one year, and then it grew, and it was great. And um, I started it sort of again by accident. I was like, I wonder if you could just take this idea of a flight of wine, because I was learning about wine. Could you, you know, apply it to music and taste the music? I'm doing air quotes. Um and so I started creating these storytelling experiences that really brought 500 years of music to an audience. I call it from Bach to Bon Jovi. So our events really take that idea of a flight of wine, kind of going through the journey of a, a winemaker or a vintage or a grape and apply that to going through a musical journey through time. And, um, and I had it on the side. I would like work in the mornings and in the elevator bank at lunchtime and then after a few years, I, I quit that job and I moved to LA all in the same week and kind of was like, all right, let me see if I can make a go of this. That's amazing. And so is Five Senses the kind of umbrella company? Because I noticed you had a couple different offerings, like the three cocktails and the three deconstructed songs. Yeah, yeah. So we have a couple different options. Most of them are in the wine branch of my business. So um, our silent wine disco, our live musical wine salons, our wine PB&J, which is our corporate gifting option. And then song and tonic is our cocktail branch. So that is really only really effective in a live environment. So it has been dormant for the last couple of years. Okay. Um, so can you explain in general, like what sensory wellness is? Yes, of course. Um, so sensory wellness to me is the purposeful and meaningful activation of your five senses um, with, with love. I say, you know, the activation of your five senses with meaning, purpose, and love is how I say it. And to me, where that really comes from is the is my background. So I was born and raised in Germany. I lived in England. I lived in Spain. I've lived all across the United States and South America. And I was born and raised in a particular sensory ecosystem, as you were wherever you were raised. And that is something that we just carry with us from our earliest days. And it takes uh, some effort to break out of that. And so a lot of my events are really about breaking out of that sensory ecosystem. And to bring it back to wellness, in, in today's world, we talk a lot about physical health, of course. We talk a lot about mental health, thank goodness. What we don't really talk about is the wellness of our senses. And our senses are the only things, the only vehicles in our bodies through which we take in information. And so for me, as someone who's mildly obsessed with the senses, um, I try to put the idea of wellness into my events. So yes, you're drinking wine. Yes, you're eating chocolate. But there is a wellness component to joy, to experiencing joy, to experiencing beauty, to experiencing the artistry that goes into making those wines and those chocolates. And I use good ingredients. So I'm not serving you, excuse me, Hershey's, right? Um, and so the idea of wellness to me is really about the full body person. And wellness does not just mean to me making sure you're taking your vitamins. It means having the, the permission to enjoy and indulge. And we talk a lot about, you know, how there aren't any guilty pleasures and chocolate, chocolate language and things like that. And I really subscribe to that. I think wellness is your own personal journey. And to me, it's really combining all your five senses and harmony. And the way that I do that is through music, wine, cheese, and chocolate. 
So just to give us a little taste of like what an event would be like, I mean, I've been to many tastings. How, how does yours differ? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take an example from um, one of our silent wine discos that I think is, is sort of helpful. Um, And that is one that I did for um, taste of the nation, which is a nonprofit organization. And we were in their VIP circle place and taste of the nation is their hashtag is no kid hungry. Right. So they work to make sure that children have food in schools and don't go hungry. And so what I did was curated a program that took you back to the magic of childhood. And so, yes, there was wine and there was chocolate and there was adult stuff, but the music was Hans Christian Andersen. It was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star variations. I can't remember all of them. And I would bring sort of the story of the the foundation together with the story of of um, of the music and then pair it to the wine and the chocolate. We decorated the chocolate with some gold, um, some gold sprinkles and things like that. So we really brought everything back to this idea of the magic of childhood. And so people would come, they'd put on their headphones and they would immediately be taken into this beautiful area of, or you know, this place that they would go of that beautiful sense of childhood and being, you know, maybe they interpreted not as wellness, but as, you know, the magic of childhood, I hope. Um, and so I found watching uh, my guests is, yes, they love the wine. They love the chocolate. The moment they tune into that music, they're not there anymore. They go places immediately. And they, they can't be sort of moved from that revelry. And it's, it's really quite magical to watch that moment happen where they go from the chaos of the world to like, you know, tuning, I call it switch off to switch on, right? And going into that world of, of wellness. Interesting. So I know a lot of times when you're doing tastings, you have someone that's kind of, they're guiding you and and putting some flavor notes in your head. Often I'm one of those people that whenever anyone says anything, I'm like, yeah, I could taste the pear, (laughs) you know, do you think that music influences the flavors in a way? Yes, I do. I think it, it has been scientifically proven that it does, but I think more than that, it's, um, I believe, obviously, the power of suggestion is is very powerful. So uh, I typically don't spend a lot of time on the pear and the anise and the is it high in tannins and more on, um, you know, the story behind the wine and maybe something about it, like that it's really sensual or that it has some pepper in it or something that's that's more of a like an emotional connection to the wine rather than a specific flavor that makes you feel like if you didn't find it, you were wrong. Um, I feel like I veered off your question. Remind me what your question was. Well, no, just that you like, so say you're playing rock music and I'm drinking a wine. Am I going to taste it differently than if you were playing classical? Yes, you absolutely, you definitely are, but you aren't necessarily going to taste it the same as everyone else listening to that song, because you may or may not have a connection to that song or to the flavors in your mouth or to the story that I'm weaving that brings them together. So when I write my pairing stories, I often ask or invite people to listen for a particular melodic or harmonic uh, pattern or structure in the sound, in the song. And that is then linked to the story, the wine, the music, all of those things are always in service of the story. So in terms of tastings, that's what really sets us apart is not just the music part, which is already huge, but I've been to a ton of tastings and oftentimes, right, they're just a kind of a Oh, here, taste the wines of this lovely winery or taste a bunch of wines, you know, three sparkling wines. And that's great. I love that. 
But for me, it's about the story. So all of those things are in service of whatever, whoever I'm telling the story to. And so it is likely that there will be as many different interpretations of that pairing in on your palate and in your ears as there are people in the room. That's interesting. I was having a conversation about spices with someone and um, someone said, oh, I, I can't stand caraway seeds. And I was like, oh, I love them. But I realized the only reason I love them is because my grandmother used to bake with them. Right. And I have such a fondness of her. So it just, that kind of makes me think of like, if there's a type of music, like I do not like heavy metal. So like, oh. if I was listening to heavy metal, would that automatically make me not like that wine kind of? Absolutely. And you run that risk, right? Which is why at my, at my events, you know, if we do a silent wine disco, I never only have one song per, per pairing. And at our live events, we have, you know, three to four selections per piece per wine. So if you don't love, you know, the bluegrass selection, you're probably going to love the folk piece or the Chopin nocturne that I play next. And so I think it's really about allowing people to discover what they don't even know they love. So your friend in caraway seeds, right? Hates caraway seeds. But perhaps over time, I've just learned this because I'm having this with cardamom right now, couldn't do cardamom until I started using it bit by bit in something. And now I'm understanding how it can adjust flavors and things to something I like. And so it does take time for people. You're not necessarily, you can convert them. Dry Rieslings, I've converted hundreds of people to dry Riesling on the nose, like right away. You're not going to convert people to caraway seeds maybe in the same amount of time, but you, you can help them to understand why you love it, what it's maybe it's like historical medicinal benefits are, right? Like bring other stuff about the caraway seed into the discussion and it flips the script a bit. Yeah, that's interesting. So I don't know if you've heard Metallica, speaking of more heavy metal, they have a whiskey now and they play their music as the whiskey ages. Do you feel like that's just marketing shtick or do you feel like that's legit? Both actually, because I know I've heard that a lot. I mean, I've heard most people playing, they play classical music. Um, I am not one to say that wine is inanimate and cannot uh, be receptive to vibrations like that. I think on the surface, it sounds like marketing hokey, hokey marketing stuff, but I, I open up the space for that to be possible. I'd love to be present to taste something that has not gone through that and that has gone through that, the exact same product and see the difference. I've never had that, that opportunity, but I have of course tasted wine and then tasted wine with a piece of music. And to me, it changes. So interesting. Um, so on your cocktail classes, can you talk a little bit more about what that is? And you said like, I, was it a deconstructed cocktail or a deconstructed song? Oh, or, okay. Yeah, so song and tonic, it's so fun. I absolutely love it. I missed it so much. So what we do is we curate uh, three cocktails, usually four ingredients. So when, when I hire, slight side note, when I hire musicians, I hire individual musicians with a wide variety of style ex, you know, experience because of the whole from Bach to Bon Jovi thing. For song and tonic, it really is more in the jazz and the blues repertoire. So I usually put together musicians who form a band and the four cocktail ingredient um, then is represented in each of the instruments. So as we, uh, we deconstruct the cocktail, then on stage, we re reconstruct it. So we'll introduce each ingredient and its instrument partner. So we might start with the bourbon might be the double bass and the double bass will play 
um, maybe, uh, you know, a 16 bar phrase of the song, and then we'll bring in the keys with the simple syrup. And then maybe the, you know, the, the sugar, it, oh no, I did that. The sparkling wine is the voice or something like that. We do this with each ingredient as the instruments layer on top of each other. So the ingredients do as well. And then when we're finished, we have this complete cocktail and a complete song. And then the song comes up to full volume and we play it in its entirety. Oh, that's so cool. Has there ever been a spirit wine or ingredient that has just stumped you that you said, I don't know what music to put this to? Absolutely. Or it's actually more often the other way that I'll have a piece of music I'm desperate to try to pair and I cannot find the story link. And so I'll have to let it go. But yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll have a wine in mind or a spirit in wine and in mind or a, a part of the story from the client. And I'll desperately want it to go with this type of music and I can't make it work for some reason. Sometimes it's super like the, the reason the song was created is just, you know, really sad or completely out of the, the realm of what we're talking about in the story. And I have to let that go. Um, but there's always something else to find um, that pairs well because of just you know, how many millions of pieces of music there are to choose from and how many millions of spirits and, and, and wines there are to choose from as well. So you, do you lean heavier into the story then versus just like, ah, this feels like this should go, or is it kind of a mix? Yeah. I mean, I try to, I think that's what, you know, when I've heard back from my clients, it's, I've never heard anyone take so much time to get to know my company or to get to know my story. And that's really it. Um, of course, you know, I have preset programs, my around the world in 80 minutes, you know, it has 12 countries you can choose from, but yeah, that's a little bit more preset, but you know, when I've done birthday parties, anniversary parties, um, or, you know, custom things for clients like Louis Vuitton, right? I had never done a single thing that I did on the Louis Vuitton program ever, because how could I? So that's really where I think what we do stands out and is, it, it, it's not such a stretch then to understand how it translates into this idea of sensory wellness, because it's not every day. It's so curated. Interesting. So just like in your own personal life, do you have like daily routines that are really focused on the sensory wellness? Do you kind of like live and breathe it every day or is it more within this? Um, I would say it's actually uh, probably 70, 30 business. Um, and because I'm in it so much, I don't necessarily feel like a quote unquote need to do it. Oftentimes I'll want to step out of it, but um I do find if I go to, you know, industry tastings or walk around tastings, I'll ask the person behind the table, I'll say, can you pour me your favorite story? Not, you know, what am I tasting? Like, I'm not interested it was an oak. I don't care about that. I care about why it came to be, why it's called this, whatever, whatever. Um, I do try to put perfume on any, every day, even if I'm not going anywhere. I really am receptive to that, that um, sense of sound. <laughs> so sorry. Um, and I do catch myself if I'm just, you know, scarfing down my food, Hey, slow it down, slow down. If I'm cooking, I will take that time to sort of smell the spices, make sure it's the one I really mean. Um, but it, it can be, it can be just a fast little thing. Like I do a lot of, you know, kind of, uh, helping people, how do they do it on their daily basis? And, you know, it's all about slowing down and put your feet in the grass and, you know, hold, shake someone's hands with both hands. Right. They're very easy things that you can do for in a few seconds that really just like, you know, snap into your senses for, um, for a second. It doesn't take too much work. Nice. 
Very nice. Well, I know the holiday season is a, is a big season for wine and spirits and it's coming up. Do you have any kind of recommendations of like a holiday drink and a holiday-ish song that you um, ever paired? Well, uh, I, I goodness to choose one is so hard. I would say that I think people feel like sparkling wine is only allowed at the holidays and it should be like it's sparkling wine and red wine. And I would say, I disagree. I think white wine is a great holiday wine, especially the lighter bodied ones, because they'll help with those fatty foods that we're eating at, at Christmas time and holiday time and Thanksgiving time. Um, I think sparkling wine should be drunk throughout the year, by the way. Um, and I also think rosé is not just a summer wine. You can get a really robust uh, rosé wine with a lot of color, a lot of, uh, you know, some tannin and stuff on not too much tannin, but, you know, some, a lot of profundity of flavor that will kind of, um, that will pair really nicely again with your poultry dishes and stuff like that. As for music, um, you know, I, I mentioned wine PB and J at the beginning, we actually just created our, it's wine pairings in a box and quote unquote jams. Um, so we just created our playlist and I was actually really excited to see my, my partner and I were uh, working on it together, a lot of not, you know, White Christmas and Andy Williams, right? Classical stuff. Turn to your classical singers. Kiriti Kanawa is one of my favorites. Choral music. Um, listen to some of your favorites adapted, uh, you know, for, for, for choral arrangement. Um, I think there's, there's, you know, I love going back to the classics myself, um, but I like to expand it. And the, the thing I would say is go to the choral classics and listen to classical singers. Your, your Does anything pair with eggnog? <laughs> Or is that too heavy? <laughs> chipmunks. I think you got to go with the chipmunks. chipmunks. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have eggnog, you're already a little bit off your tip also. <laughs> nice. Well, just um, going really quick to the social side, do you have a favorite social network that you prefer to use? Yeah, I'm definitely an Instagram girl. Um, and more recently getting uh, getting into LinkedIn. Uh, because of most of my clientele is B2B, uh, LinkedIn is definitely where I make the contacts, even if I'm not necessarily, you know, using it in the same way that I use LinkedIn, which is, you know, more storytelling or even more advertising, I suppose. Um, LinkedIn is where you make your connections, right? Um, but yeah, Instagram is where I live. I actually, uh, I don't do TikTok. I know, don't do it. Do you at least scroll on it and look at stuff or no? I not do even. not. I do not. Mm-mm. No. All right. <laughs> I over the pandemic, I got, I started and I have to say it makes me laugh more than any other social network. The content on there is really creative and funny, um, but I get it. I get, yeah, it's a lot. Um, so do you, do you find that social can drive, you know, people to sign up for tastings? I find it starts conversation. So I have found a lot of my partnerships through Instagram with the, in the food and wine world specifically, um, more business comes from LinkedIn and more partnerships come from Instagram. So obviously it's easy enough to see someone's chocolates and someone's cheeses and someone to see what we do and go, yeah, I actually think there's some synergy there. And then that happens really quickly. And because people actually monitor their DMS pretty regularly, you know, it doesn't, I, I find that you, you're pretty lucky. If you want to reach out to somebody, they'll, they'll probably follow up with you. Um, you think you're a good fit too. So I definitely, um, I definitely appreciate that for partnerships. Um, and then, you know, sure. It's a, a really easy way to share something that's just coming new in your, in your bio. Um, and I've definitely seen that, you know, when I announce something, you know, the, the traffic to those links improves, 
and things like that. And then the conversion comes after that. Okay. So, so yeah, I guess that's a good point. Do you're like, when you are like, let's say working with a company like Louis Vuitton, do, do they ask you to use certain spirits? Like, do you have like a, you know, a whole list of spirits that you said, okay, we have partnership deals with you or how do you, how do you go about picking that? So with Louis Vuitton, right? Because they're an LMH, not an LMH. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking. LMVH, uh, is it? Hennessy? Yes. 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 Uh, they have a portfolio. Four letters. <laughs> yeah. They had a portfolio that we had to use. Um, okay. Otherwise, no, I don't work with any specific vendor. I don't get a kickback from anybody. Um, I do have preferred, you know, distributors because they have a wide range and they're able to ship to a bunch of states. That's just sort of has happened. Um, in terms of wineries, if I partner with them, you know, we work out different ways to to make that beneficial for both of us, whether it's, you know, a percentage of ticket sales or, or whatever. Um, but I don't really, I don't, think that it's a good business decision for me to have specific spirits or wines that we use because I'm not selling the wines, I'm selling the story. And if I can't make the story pair with the wine, then I don't have an event. So for me, it starts with the event. And then I go to my, to my folks and I go, Hey, I have these themes that I'm working with. What can you, what do you have in your portfolio that you love that I can work with? Are there any wine or spirit brands when it comes to stories that you just really love or that you found extra interesting when you were digging in? Yes. There's one in South Africa who I really love. It's called Simon Sig, um, Simon S-I-G. And they, uh, they actually have a wide line. You can buy them pretty, they're pretty available. And what I love about them is they have created this sort of mini town where they live, where the, where the winery is. Um, and they have created um, like creches and um, medical centers and they have uh, mentoring um, and all these different things so that the families who work on the farm don't have to go elsewhere to, you know, treat their medical conditions or have their kids in school or find, you know, like business growth and development opportunities. And so um, the, a lot of the families that have been working the farm have been working there for generations and raised their children there and then they work there. So it's just this like sort of microcosm of, of it's like a mini earth. Um, and, you know, the wines that come out of there are fantastic. And I just feel so good supporting a family that is supporting its community in such a massive way. So anytime I can, and I'm actually using one of them in an event coming up for a school, um, because it's all about kind of, you know, preparing the next generation. Um, and so I always, I work with them whenever I can. That's so cool. That's so cool that you put so much thought behind it. Um, I love that. So uh, I guess, you know, just as we're wrapping up, what, is there anything that you're doing that we should know about? You're doing a lot <laughs> coming in the future or, or anything focused on the holiday? Yes. Yeah, so we do, we have our annual Holly Tales, um, both in person and virtual. And um, that's, that's going on. I'm already getting bookings for that. And then our wine PB&J, as I mentioned, is our wine pairings in a box and jams. And that's um, a corporate a kind of our whimsical take on corporate gifting, which has three bottles of wine, chocolates. You can have a popcorn and cheese add-ons. And then we curate. So for the holidays, we do have a list that exists and that's the list you get. But for all other times of the year, we're able to curate that list. So the idea is really like you can give the experience without having to host and you can get the experience without having to go. Um, but you have one of our events basically in a box. And then you can also have you know, a short video intro or like a 30 minute guided tasting. But really it's just, it's a lot more hands-off. Um, and, and so that's, that's, uh, what we're focusing on right now. So those two holly tales and then our wine PB and J. 
And what is the Holly Tales? The Holly Tales is our holiday. It's just what we call our holiday musical wine tastings. So live musicians who perform over Zoom or in person. um, And, uh, you know, yes, there's some traditional tunes, but there are also some out of the box, you know, tunes from around the world because we always serve wines from around the world as well. Cool. I love it. It's so creative. Um, it was so nice meeting you and, and learning about your business. It's totally unique. So Thank I love you. it. I so appreciate the, the chance to share that with you. Thank you. And we'll definitely follow along and, and hopefully get to be, you know, do one of your tastings coming up for sure. Always welcome. Thank you. All right. Take care. <laughs> All right, everybody. That wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or know somebody that does, feel free to reach out.